relationship. Don't think you are not there yet. Don't think, don't, don't, don't think too much. Don't think, oh, I, I don't know this. I don't know that I'm not professor yet. You know, my knowledge is not this yet. So I cannot be mentor. I mean, no, no, you're thinking too much, bro. You're thinking too much, sis. If you can recite A, B, C, and D, master it. Whilst you're still learning from E to the last letter, right? So master A, B, C, and D. And mentor others to also master A, B, C, and D. I am right? I am but, laughing so hard over here because he's telling the truth. Like this is this is the truth. Like, I mean, he's using the alphabet as an example, but as he's saying, you know, only learn A, B, C, D. I'm thinking about all the A, B, C, Ds that I mastered while I was still learning E through Z. You're listening to the Leaders Lab with Dr. Charity TV. Welcome to the Leaders Lab, the podcast created to help millennial multi-passionate entrepreneurs build, organize, launch, and manage their online brands and businesses without losing balance. And now, here's your host, the digital organization development consultant, cross-cultural communications specialist, and your favorite global leader, Dr. Charity C. Campbell. of the Leaders Lab podcast. I want to say thank you so much for tuning in once again. Uh, Last week, we talked about the part two of Life After Doctor with my special guest and dear friend here, Dr. Frank Larvey. What's up, Dr. Larvey? Thanks for joining us again for part three. Thank you very much for inviting me for part three. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) No problem. All right. So today, uh, today, based on what we talked about last week, last week, we talked about um, being employable after graduation and how to find some work experience, but we didn't really go too much into the details of the different types of, of experience you can get pre-graduation. So on today's episode, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be uh, gleaning from Dr. Larby and his experience because he uh, unlike myself and probably others, he actually got that pre-graduation experience prior to completing his PhD. While I was working two jobs during my during my doctorate, and I was really focusing on my research at the time. But I wish I would have had the advice and the recommendations that Dr. Larby gave us last week about you know seeking using your own funds to go to conferences and and just basically putting yourself out there before you even need to be out there. So on today's episode we are talking about pre-graduation work experience. And um just to jump straight into the topic Dr. Larby I just want to know in your opinion why is pre-graduation work experience essential? Um, Thank you very much for this question. Before I start, I want to say hello to your viewers and your listeners. Um, Thank you for uh, listening to us, you know, part one, part two, and part three. Thank you for joining us throughout this journey. So coming back to your question, uh, pre-graduation experience is very important because um, PhD it's not just studentship program, you know, it's, it's, it's a, um, a program or an 
an era of your academic leather that you have to put your experiences to practice. You know, you'd have to tell the world that I'm here. I have this, I have that. You have to connect yourself. You have to do things you didn't do during your master's. You have to do things you didn't do during your bachelor's, you know? Uh, so you would have to uh, learn by practice. So PhD, I would say, is not theoretical stage of educational ladder. It's more practical stage. So you'd have to psych yourself very well that you're not just going to cleave yourself to research and academic work or coursework, but also you got to get into the field. So, and let me say this, I think I said on the first show, um, PhD, it's not, um, you know, getting a certificate to go do something or sit in an office, just an office, you know, it is time or it is, it is, um, a level, a stage that you have to prove to the world that you are really, you know, innovative and a critical thinker. All right. So whatever it takes for you to grab opportunities to practice, you have to do it. All right. So, you know, PhD basically, you know, main focused on research. Um, if you want to be in academia, research, teaching, supervise, supervision, um, um, what else, you know, can you say about that? Yeah, you know, designing coursework, you know, being a consultant for others and stuff. So these are what you should put on the table and practice. Practice how to design a course, all right? Practice how to teach in a classroom. Uh, practice how to, uh, to supervise practice how to do good quality research. So this is what you have to be doing. It's not just studying, learning, writing exams and passing, but it is a practicing stage. You got to put all the experiences, the classroom work, the theoretical works and everything you've acquired to practice, put them to practice. And if your supervisor doesn't open the door for you, you have to find ways yourself to get yourself engaged, to get yourself involved so that you're not be left out. Mm-hmm. Now, there are three primary ways to gain work experience before graduating. And, and I know you're talking about getting practice, practice, practice. But the three primary ways to gain work experience before graduating, of course, number one is internships. Uh, no, mm-hmm. you know, you might, you might be fortunate enough to have a paid internship, which would be great. But Sometimes it's not paid. Sometimes it's just, you know, it's, you get paid in the, it's like a, a back, uh, uh, what we call front load and, and, and back load. You get paid in the end with the experience that you gain. So if you're not like receiving that monetary gain and you're just like, well, I don't want to do that internship. Think about the long run. Think about the experience that you can get. So the three types of ways is it's, it's internship, uh, mentoring, and volunteering. So we have internship, mentoring, and volunteering. And Dr. Larby, last last week you mentioned something about uh, about mentoring and holding workshops. Of these three primary ways to gain experience before graduating, which of these did you do? Did you do all of them? Did you do two or one? Which ones did you do? <laughs> well, which one did I do? Do I even remember? Um, did you have an internship? Did you did you have a did you do any mentoring? Did you volunteer any places? Like, what'd you do? 
Okay, um, volunteering for sure. I did a lot of volunteering work. Um, yeah, internship. You know, well, it wasn't a basic requirement for PhD. You know, it's not a it's not a requirement. You now, if you're doing a, a bachelor's or even master's, probably you may be required uh, to to have an you know internship experience, but. PhD is not really, um, well, you know, maybe it depends on the university, but in my university at our time, it wasn't a requirement. And recently I heard, you know, from my, some of my friends who are still enrolled in PhD program, that is, is now a requirement. So, yeah. So um, personally, I did, you know, volunteering in the university. So I think last time uh, on the first or second show, I said, uh, whilst I was a PhD student, I organized you know, a couple of uh, research workshops for the master students mm-hmm. and um, even including the Chinese, they, 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 they were able to come in and you know, learn something. So it's, 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 I wasn't doing it because I saw myself to be more experienced you know, teaching other people, but I saw it as a um, way we can share knowledge and grow. You know, I don't know it all. I'm still in a, I was still in the learning process, you know, so being able to gather a couple of students to share my ideas, you know, get all the ideas as well. You know, we put things together, you know, try to develop what we know, ship mm-hmm. what we know and enhance on what we know. So I did a lot of volunteering and um, yeah, not only organizing research workshops and stuff like that. I, we also visited some schools, um, uh, primary schools and stuff like that, you know, to see how, you know, teachers teach and, you know, how if we are researchers or if you're in a position of policy making, because uh, don't forget, I said my major is educational leadership and policy yeah. um, and policy. So um, when you graduate, you can become a, a policymaker, you know, educational leader in any institution. So yeah. when we visit, when you do all these um, trip uh, field trips, we kind of learn how teachers teach, you know, the curriculum they use and stuff and how we can probably design a curriculum to suit certain level of kids and education. So these are all sort of uh, volunteering opportunities I involved myself in and it helped me a lot. I learned a lot and I impacted as well. And mentee, um, well, Unfortunately, in my university, I had limited opportunity to mentor others. You know, well, I wouldn't say a point of correction, not in my university, because some of the professors, supervisors were engaging their PhD candidates to mentor master students and even bachelor students, right? Mm-hmm. But with the sort of supervisor I had, I didn't have that opportunity, you know, yeah, to mentor the master or bachelor students you know so um i didn't have the opportunity um however i had friends like most especially master students who were always coming to me with their research and stuff and i was helping guiding them so i would say unofficially you know i mentored <laughs> um, a couple of people but it wasn't official. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm saying it this way. Okay. So, so you were an unofficial way, mentor. Uh, unofficial mentor. Could you yeah, still put it on your CV? Ooh, I think I have to. Well, it, then, It's not on my CV, but I have to. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I it's experience, to. right? I mean, whatever right. you whatever you mentored them in, whether it was 
Because mentoring doesn't necessarily have to come from a particular program in your university. I mean, if students are coming to you and you're, you're spending time, like you are, you are giving your time, you're gifting your time and, and, and they're being able to use it, use that wisdom. That's, that's mentoring. That's mentorship. So exactly. Yeah. You're right. Because it, it doesn't have to be an official appointment nope. with appointment letter hand over to you that, Hey, you're a mentor or this, right. you know, so yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because I help, I, I'm not saying this to, you know, to boost or to, yeah, but I help a couple of friends, you know, to go through their thesis and they were able to graduate successfully, you know, not only their thesis, their um, PPT pre- uh, preparation and presentation, you know, guided them how to present, mm-hmm. how to prepare your PPT to be very catchy and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's uh, mentoring. So, uh, and, and I won't even say it, I wouldn't say it's unofficial. I would say that it is uh, like, what is it? It's, it doesn't carry a university's brand on it, but a lot of mentor programs, um, that I was aware of, they didn't necessarily have that. Like, I mean, unless you went to like, uh, when I think of mentoring, I think of like a community program, you know, something Mm -hmm. that, and that's what, that's basically what you did. So, Mm -hmm. so we have to create opportunities for ourselves. All this I'm talking about, no one asked me to do it. And that's why I said that I wasn't handed in the appointment letter to do this or to do that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's willingly because I wanted to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And I say this and I will say this again and again and again, effective learning doesn't happen in the classroom. It happens outside the classroom Mm -hmm. because the classroom is where we learn theoretical stuff. Outside the classroom is where we apply the theories we've learned in a classroom. Okay. So if you don't put yourself in a situation that you'll be able to apply the things you learn in a classroom, then all the theories you've acquired will go waste. Mm-hmm. Right. So the three things you mentioned um, um, internship, volunteering, and um, mentorship, right? These are the three things you mentioned. My advice to all the listeners, whether you are a master student, bachelor student, or PhD student or candidate, please try as much as possible to put yourself in one or even three of them. Because let me tell you what, education takes chunk of our youthfulness. PhD program. I don't can know what you're you talking about. I'm forever young. I'm going to be forever young. It takes a chunk of your youthfulness, but I'm going to stay young forever. Exactly. I mean, this is a personal motivational statement you know, to, to feel good, but let's face the reality. Here you go with your exactly saying the opposite of what I'm saying. Exactly. Oh man, I wish I had time to explain this insider, but let no, let me just tell you, Dr. Larby says exactly to things that are, that that's the complete opposite. So the things that he does not agree with, he says, exactly. It's not necessarily sarcasm, but it's just, you know, it's just enough to like, really like make you be like, why are you saying exactly? It's the opposite of what you said. So I just had to, you know, to say that. it's, 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 um, it's a defense mechanism, you know, because when I say exactly, and I come in with the, the with opposing view, you know, 
when, when I say exactly, you'd be like, oh, he agrees with me. Like, you'd be cool. Yeah, he agrees. And I hate him. Not if you know him. Not if you know him. If you don't know him, you'll be like, when he says exactly, you're going to be like, oh, he agrees. And then he comes in and says the exact opposite. And you're like, you just said exactly. This is the total opposite of exactly. Like, what? So if you know him, when he says exactly, you're like, why? He's coming to argue. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why are you even about to say? <sighs> Anyways, okay, so back to what you were saying. He says it education takes a chunk out of your youth. It does because it's a huge, it's like it's an investment. It's a, an investment right. of time. So mm. so um yeah, thank you for adding that investment of time. Yes. So um listeners, education, as I said before, takes chunk of your youthfulness. And if you don't put the knowledge you acquire in education to effective practice, by the time you finish or you go through all these processes, all this journey of education, you, you'll be getting out of the system. Do, do you get me? So, so let's say um, like you, you, you know, you're privileged to, to go through all the processes without pausing in between from bachelor's, master's, and PhD. So if you go through all this, probably after your PhD, you're going to be like, um, you know, like 26, 27 years, right? Yeah, like, because like you finish your bachelor's, like say 22, all right? Master's two years, 24, oh, yeah. PhD four years, yeah, yeah. 28, right? 28. So 28, you are now coming to start work at the age of 28 you are now coming to tell the world that i'm here at the age of 28 while some people start at the age of 18 whilst others start at the age of 20 you are now coming to start at the age of 28 so by the time you get experience to develop yourself you'll be like 35 or so and mind you there are other things in life that we, we give priority to, you know, you're thinking about marriage, you're thinking about raising, you know, babies and all this kind of stuff, which will drag your attention a little bit, you know? So by the time you get fully, you know, grounded in your field, you'll be getting to that age, like 40 years. But mind you, those who started way earlier before you would be much advanced in experience than you. And you can't compete with them in terms of experience. That is why we have to take opportunity of our years in school. Don't say I'm studying, so I'm studying that. Like, I'm studying every day. You know, you're, you're at the library. Your, your eyes are facing the book every day, library, every day, library, writing exams, passing, writing exams, passing, and doing nothing else. This is waste of your youthfulness. Mm. I'm not saying don't go to a library to study. I'm not saying don't study hard and stuff like that. You have to study smart, not hard. Study smart, Right. And the effectiveness of studying, of learning, I'm reiterating this. It happens outside the classroom. Get involved whilst you are a student, whilst you are studying. Involve yourself in a lot of voluntary activities in the society. Involve yourself in internships, in mentee programs. Talk to companies. You want to learn, you want to practice every vacation. Put yourself out there. Don't go sleep in your mother's sofa in during vacations. You got to put all these experiences to a go out. If you need to sell things on the street to get experience, do it. 
marketing, accounting, you know, all these things, do it. All right. If you need to to, to volunteer in in a company to to keep their uh, to their records, you know, accounting records and stuff like that, even if they are not paying anything, my brother, my sister, you gotta do it. All right. If you if you need to, like, don't think about making the money. Think about gaining the experience. Think about mm, enriching your CV. It. Think about that's enriching it. yourself, placing value on yourself. That's good. And mind you, if you go through, if you involve yourself from bachelor's, you know, during your master's, your PhD, working here and there, you will not finish your PhD and write applications. You will not. Because by the time you finish your PhD, there are a bunch of companies you've worked with before. There are a bunch of companies you've, your ideas, your wisdom or knowledge have probably impacted. Or they've benefited from you one way or the other. So when you finish, or before you even finish, you just write to them, hey, I'm going to finish it. I mean, <laughs> you'll be hired as soon as possible. So don't let the classroom cage you. Don't let the classroom be a bondage to you. Don't let the classroom be shackles around you. Free yourself. Study smart, but concurrently, you have to go out and work. Develop, make good use of your youthfulness. Make good use whilst you're still young and beautiful. Make good use whilst you're still strong. Before you get to an you know, age where you'll be thinking about kids, you know, you know, be, be giving out your full talent or gift out there, you know, thinking about how to pay your kids, kids, you're thinking about this, that. So many things will be coming in your mind and the world will not enjoy you. So whilst you are young and single, let the world enjoy you. Yeah, make, make great use of your time. And I want to interject here because if I don't, Dr. Larby forgets that this is actually a show for conversation. So he just, he thinks he's on his show where he's the only one that's just talking. And I'm just like, ah, 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 ah. Okay, so I'm just going to jump in here right now. Okay, or else I'm not going to say anything on my own show. Good God. God knows. I want to speak to the uh, to the PhD student or to the graduate student who started later in life, because not everyone is starting out young. So to to those of you who are and I know there's so many of you who are listening to to this podcast, and I appreciate that I look at the analytics and I see your ages. I don't have only have a few like 18 to 34, but most of you are much older. So I don't want you to only take what you know, Dr. Larby is saying and be like, well, shoot, I, I missed all of those youthfulness years. You didn't. You gained valuable experience in so many different areas of your life that you can use them as transferable skills into your new degree program. Whatever field of discipline, you may have been, you know, in your late 40s, 50s and 60s and decided, you know what, I'm going to do the unthinkable and I'm going to go back to school. And you are that person in class. There's always there's always at least one in every single class where there's someone who decided to go 
back to school and to do something different than what they're doing. And I commend each and every one of you who's listening or watching right now. And I want to tell you that you have not missed out. I know you feel like you, you missed out on a lot of time because you wish you would have just continued on, but life happened. You did get married. You had children. Your children are grown now. So you decided to go on and continue. You switch fields or whatever it is. Maybe you got a divorce and you decided, you know what? I want to do something for me now. I want to go fulfill whatever your, your reason is, you can still get experience before you graduate. First of all, you already have a world of experience, even if it was in a different field. Okay. This is what we call transferable skills. You take the skills that apply to both, you know, your old field and the new one that you're going into and do like Dr. Larby said, start mentoring, find ways to mentor, your classmates, your peers, even others, um, you know, master students or whatever, or a mentor in the community. If you say, you know, I'm too old for an internship, focus on mentoring and focus on volunteering because those are still valuable, uh, valuable opportunities to get experience pre-graduation as well. And so this brings me to my, um, to my next question for you, Dr. Larby. Of the things that you, uh, of the, you said you did mentoring and volunteering of those two, which ones would you say was most fruitful for you? Hmm. Good question. I'd say both. Most (laughs) fruitful, most fruitful. I mean, if you could choose one or the other, um, which one do you think has produced the most? I'd say mentoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Because whilst I was still a student, there were so many things I was still learning. I didn't know, you know. Yeah. And I wasn't mentoring as a professor or as a supervisor. As a, I mean, just as a student, I was mentoring my peers. Yeah. But one thing I, I want to say, especially mentorship, don't think you are not there yet. Don't think, don't, don't, don't think too much. Chinese to say, Bush and do. All right, don't don't think too much about it. Don't think, oh, I I don't know this. I don't know that I'm not professor yet. You know, my knowledge is not this yet, so I cannot be mentored. I mean, no, no, you're thinking too much, bro. You're thinking too much, sis. What you want? Like, let me use this as an example. You know, letters of alpha, we have A to Z, right? So if you can recite A, B, C, and D, master it whilst you're still learning from E to the last letter, right? So master A, B, C, and D. And mentor others to also master A, B, C, and D. So through the mentorship process, you become an expert in A, B, C, D. So when we're talking about an expert in A, B, C, D, who are they going to call? They're going to call you. That, oh, Frank is an expert in A, B, C, D. But people don't know that you, you don't know EF and the rest. You don't know them yet. But hey, be bold. Be confident in yourself that I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an expert in A, B, C, D. And this confidence will be transformed to a learning ground for you to also master yourself in the, in, 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 in the rest of the um, letters. 
I am right. I am right. laughing so hard over here because he's telling the truth. Like this is this is the truth. Like I mean, he's using the alphabet as an example, but as he's saying, you know, only learn A B C D. I'm thinking about all the A B C Ds that I mastered while I was still learning E through Z, and so it just I could not stop laughing because I'm like, no, no, this is true. You get that experience, and this is the thing you as you grow, others get to grow with you. Like as you're teaching ABCD, what you mastered, you're still learning EF through, you know, E through, through K you're still learning so that once they pass the threshold of D and then they don't have to go look, you know, to find someone else who can teach them EF, you know, through K no, you learned it while you were still teaching. So I'm, I'm getting, it just tickled me because I'm like, He's using alphabets, but this is literally what we do all the time. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. And let me give you a typical example. When I was in my bachelor's um, back home in my country, um, I was very good in mathematics. I love math. I eat math. I breathe math. You know, math is my hobby. <laughs> so I, I wasn't staying math. As, uh, <laughs> I wasn't learning math at school. I So during vacation, I will... I would go through all the topics we'd be doing for, for the for the subsequent semester. Hmm. Right. So everything so during vacation is only mathematics. So when school resumes, you would never see me studying math. No, you see me, you know, learning other subjects, but n- not math. So how I and don't forget I've already learned them. So, you know, my peers, my friends, math was their problem. So I'll I, I'll gather them and teach them what I've learned. Why do I do that? I do that to relearn, to master what I have learned. Because if I don't do that, I'll forget it. I'll forget, I'll forget because it will be like during exam to be like three months ago, right? So in order to keep updated, I'll be teaching my peers. And sometimes I teach them to understand more than even the teachers. And I was always on top of mathematics examination in the First three, you find me there, all right? During my um, PhD, uh, learning research and stuff like that, one of the most difficult things I was struggling to understand is research theoretical framework. Like, I didn't know how to get a framework, a theory to back up your research, how to define it, how to, um, um, you know, Set it, set it as a foundation of your research, how to connect with your literature review, your research question, your methodology, and your result. I was totally confused about it. So I'm like, no, I mean, I have to, and you know, theoretical framework is, is a key part of your research. Absolutely. If you don't have it, it's like your, your research is questionable. It would not even be passed. So I got on University of YouTube, thanks for YouTube, and I watched a couple of videos. I read a couple of articles on from Google. I had a little bit of an understanding. I'm like, hmm, this is good. Let me organize a workshop on this. <laughs> so A-B-C-D. I called my friend say A B C D right there. Exactly. The principles of A B C D. So I called my friend say, let's organize a workshop. We organized, we made a flyer, beautiful flyer. We got a lot of students who came. And I was teaching them like I have master theoretical framework. But me, 
Meanwhile, I had about 60% understanding of it. All right. So I asked myself, what if they ask me critical questions? Well, I didn't even think too much about it. I organize it and I record the videos I watch on YouTube, the articles I've read, and the little understanding I have gained to teach them. And believe you me, those people who came to my to that um, workshop were so, so much pleased with the information I shared with them. But with that little knowledge I gained, I was able to solve their problem. Mm. And guess what? Afterwards, people were always rushing to me. Frank, I have a problem with this. I have a problem with this. I have a problem with this. <laughs> people were even coming, you know, from different major, from economic, you know, from economics, from different majors. They were coming in with their research. And that pushed me because I didn't want to embarrass myself. I gained a good name on campus, you know, because of that. So if anyone has a problem, oh, go to Frank. If anyone has a problem, go to Frank. So I didn't want to embarrass myself. Yeah. And I had to put pressure on myself to learn more, acquire more, and share more. Mm. And that is how I was able to develop my research potency. Mm-hmm. I didn't grab most of this knowledge in the classroom. I grabbed it by practice. That's good. That is why I say I have three rules. First, practice. Second, practice. Third, practice. Oh, okay. So makes all, better. All, all three rules are the same. Practice, better. practice, practice. All right. Exactly. So when should a grad student, after getting all of this pre-graduation experience, after getting after practicing, 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 after hosting webinars or workshops, after mentoring, having an internship, after volunteering, when should a grad student start applying for jobs in their new discipline? Start applying for job as a student from first year. First year, first semester, start applying for jobs. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. Why Why the first year, first semester? I mean, they, yeah. they don't even have the experience at that point. Let me throw this out there. You know, I know people will not be happy to hear that, but that is me. I mean, I, I hate, I hate, <laughs> I hate the nail on it. Hurt. I, I don't, I don't say things to please people, but you'll be a fool to wait till your graduation time before you apply for jobs. You'll be a fool to do that. Why? And try because try not try try to keep the answer if possible to 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 less than a, a a whole dissertation. Okay, so let's try to be timely if if possible. Okay, so why why why? I, I'll try my best. I'll try my best. I'll try my best. Hmm. All right. So first of all, I said still applying for jobs first year, first semester when you're enrolled in a program. Before you get enrolled in any program, you should learn or read about job availabilities of that major. So, for example, if you're reading economics, you should know what you're going to do with the knowledge you've acquired with your certificate. So if someone asks you, what are you going to do with economics? Um, I don't really know. I, 
Mm, I would say you're very stupid to say that. You don't know what you're going to do with economics and you got enrolled. You don't know what you're going to do with education and you get enrolled. Don't be dumb. All right. So before you get into the program, read about it. What can you do after graduation? What can you do with a certificate? So having this knowledge and having all this awareness, immediately you get enrolled. You start applying to companies or to industries or to institutions within this, within this field or within the field you are enrolled in. So when, and what I mean is intention, intention, attachment. So you start applying right from the first year that I'm enrolled in this program. I would want to um, have an internship program or an attachment with, with you during our summer vacation. You don't wait till summer vacation. Let the company know that you are there. They're not going to respond to you. Push. Because most of the companies will probably get a lot of applicants and stuff like that. So if you start early and keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, they'll be like, who is this guy? Let's give him a try. But if you wait till last minute, you'll be frustrated. You'll be confused. You'll be bewildered. All right. You will not see opportunities. But when you start early, that is how you will see greater opportunities. So start applying right after you get enrolled for internship opportunities. And when, um, and, and, you know, you still say, you know, classes and stuff like that, we still be going on, you know, but let them know that during winter vacation, during summer vacation, you are available for them. So even whilst you're still in school before vacation, you may be going there on weekends, you know, just to, to help them with one or two things. But experience. And that's experience. all you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. So you do the first year, second year, third year. By the time you graduate, you probably might have worked with about three or four or five companies or industries or institutions. Okay. If you yeah. really give out your best, one or two of them would like to maintain you. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I ladies and gentlemen, I this has been so full of such great information, so full of such great information. And once again, we want to thank Dr. Larby for coming back for the third part of life after doctor. But today we're talking about life before doctor, uh, getting that pre-graduation work experience. And so again, Dr. Larby, thank you so much for to, uh, for joining us again. We appreciate you and all of your all of your wisdom. Do you have any, I, I honestly, I don't know if you have any additional words to say. Uh, you said so many, you said so many great words, but if you have any last words, 60 seconds or less, what would you share with our mm-hmm. audience? 60 seconds or less. Okay. That's really a great challenge, but oh, I pick it up. So finally, what I'm saying to end this show is that, um, my fellow brothers and sisters out there enrolled in PhD program, you have great potentials. PhD, you know, having a title doc- doctor 
attach your name comes with a lot of great opportunities and you know chances and stuff like that. But one challenging is the title should go along with what is here in your brains. If you have the title in your brain, your head is empty. It's it's, it's a shame. It's a disgrace Amen. to yourself, to, to the certificate and to the institution. Hmm. All right. So try as much as possible not to be a shame or a disgrace to the, to the doctorhood. Let us protect this title. Let us make it lively. All right. Yeah. So um, again, you, you have to read more, learn more, read outside your comfort zone or read outside some of the, your field, you know, get more knowledge. Watch the news. What is going on? Be current. All right. We have technological advancement. You know, you have to try as much as possible to gain technological knowledge. You are not majored in IT, but you have to gain technological knowledge because they will all help to expedite your work or to um, help you to, to, you know, to work with smartness. Yeah. And what I always say, my slogan is work smart, don't work hard. All right. But in everything, in all things, in a nutshell, have a dream, have a vision. Otherwise, your PhD will be useless. Thank you all for listening to me. This is Dr. Love. <laughs> Dr. Campbell, thank you for hosting me. Yes, it was my pleasure. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to the 35th episode of the Leaders Lab podcast. I really hope that you were able to get something out of this episode. If so, drop a comment in the section below. Let me know. What was your favorite part about this? What, what is your primary takeaway from um, how to get work experience pre-graduation? And don't forget that you can uh, subscribe to the Leaders Lab podcast on both the audio and video version. Download today's episode on the audio version in iTunes or Google podcast or Spotify, wherever podcasts are playing, uh, rate and comment and share so we can continue to reach millennial global entre leaders everywhere. And don't forget that you can connect with me on social media everywhere at Dr. Charity TV and on Facebook at Dr. Charity TV page. And you can also connect with Dr. Frank Larby on his new YouTube channel. You can catch his uh, link in the show notes below and also in the description box. So thank you once again for tuning in and I'll see you guys next week in the lab. Thank you for listening to the Leaders Lab podcast. Visit our website at www.drcharitytv.com and follow us on all social media platforms with at Dr. Charity TV.